0: So I think it would be easy for all of us to understand that everyone has fear. Fear is no respecter of age or race or creed or the amount of cash you have. Uh, Fear is a part of our lives. Uh, And if I was to ask you to list at this moment your top three fears, I think uh, there's a good chance that most of you would be able to pull out a sheet of paper and easily list What are the things you're currently most anxious about or the things that you fear the most? And the unique thing about that is that would change for many of us based on our age or it would change based on our season of life, maybe what you're currently experiencing. It also is probably different than everyone else sitting around you because each of us has been created so uniquely by God that we all have a different set of fears a different set of anxieties, things that we're nervous about. I want to take for a moment and uh, just ask you to maybe shout out a few. If, uh, if you're a kid, what do you typically, as all the kids are exiting, uh, what, what do they, the kids typically fear? What are some things that come to your mind when you think about that? Just shout them out. The dark, okay. Bullies. Say it again. Yeah, being left alone. Absolutely. What else? Concerts? I was like, concerts? Man, don't tell Carter that. Carter loves concerts. Uh, Monsters, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Almost every kid that I know has at some point feared monsters. Any other things that kids typically fear? Bugs, yeah. Bugs are different kinds of animals. there's certain animals that uh, they, they might fear. Uh, they might fear uh, bad bad dreams or uh, the dentist, depending on their age and whether they want to go or not. Um, I remember when Evie was little, she didn't seem to have many fears. She uh, would just embrace life and be excited about things and. Uh, What was unique, though, is we started to notice she had one fear in particular that just totally we didn't understand where it came from. We first noticed that when we went out to dinner one night, we were out with the family. I think Shannon's family was in town, and uh, they had taken us out, and we're all kind of hanging around at the dinner table. And different people are coming up to the table uh, either to say hi or to, like, bring water or whatever. And then we were assigned our waiter for the evening. And uh, he walks over and he had just this full mustache, right? Like the, the beard is fine, but apparently just the mustache alone, not cool. And so Evie uh, sees him and just starts screaming. And he's going like, I didn't do any, like he's not knowing what's going on. So we like try to calm her down. He leaves, she's calm. He comes back, she starts pointing <laughs> starts screaming. Just no ability to communicate why, and then we're starting to figure out, like, maybe it's the mustache. So around that same time, we had an incredible friend that would come over to our house every week. Uh, his name was Topher, Topher Weber. Some of you might remember him from years ago. He was here probably eight years ago, uh, studying in school, and he would come to our house once a week and hang out with her family. And this is a picture of Topher and Evie when she was really young, and I mean he was like family friend, hang out at our house all the time, Evie absolutely loved him and would always like run to him and I mean he would toss her in the air, they would do all kinds of stuff together and then one day he came over looking like this. Yeah, uh, He decided to change up his style a little bit and he went with this cool long stash that he twisted the ends. and. Uh, <laughs> And I could not find it, but I absolutely have somewhere a picture of him holding her with that facial expression and her looking more like this, just <laughs> screaming at him and just totally baffled as to who the person is and just like in his face. And then obviously that's what she's looking at, which would cause some of us maybe perhaps also to fear it. But for some reason, she was scared to death of people with mustaches. Kids have crazy fears. But they don't get any better when you move into being like a teen. What are some things that teens might fear that's a little bit different than kids? Popularity. Good. What else? Rejection. Good. Girls. Yeah? Yeah. For sure. Sometimes that's like way into college and beyond. I mean, you know. (laughs) Oh, what else? Yeah, fear of missing out. Good. Some uh, I I looked up online, what are some other fears that teens might have? Exams, their first interview, Um, talking to their parents about the birds and the bees. I know some of you probably feared that moment, other of you are like, I was just waiting for him to, and they never did, and then, I mean, we all have different experiences with that. Uh, Obviously, in today's culture, one of the big fears that has actually made the top 10 list now is fear of having your phone confiscated or the fear of being detached from social media, uh, of all of the great fears of life that is now in the top 10 for teens. What about uh, moving into the college age? What do we say college students primarily fear? Future, yeah. Homework, yeah, exams, papers, absolutely. Good work, Caleb. What else? Failure, singleness, joy, what? Bad grades, yep, good. What else? Switching major, being there for a fifth or sixth year. What else? Finances, can I actually pay for this? Why am I even doing this? Does what I'm studying even matter? Will I have a job when I graduate? There are probably hundreds of other fears, but then as we shift further in life, it seems that those fears only expand further. We begin to get nervous about money, decisions we make, about love and loneliness. We fear losing people and death and aging. There is a culture that we live in that breathes fear. This culture has recently been described as an age of overt anxiety. It was also described as the official emotion of our generation, is fear and anxiety, the most pervasive psychological problem of our time. It was even commented recently by a college president that we are living in the most fear-mongering time in human history. And we're scared of everything. And then we start like describing that to other people as if there are all these major fears out there. It's the big banks. It's Wall Street. It's ISIS. It's the NRA. It's our foreign enemies. It's environmentalists. It's climate change deniers. It's patriarchy and it's feminists, it's the right, it's the left, it's politics, it's the Illuminati, it's Beyonce, I don't know, the list keeps just keeps going and going. We fear, it seems, everything. It's crazy. And uh, we have a fear of comparison. That is another one that is incredibly on the rise. And again, social media is something that I think brings this to the forefront. Comparing life experiences, comparing um, what we have with what someone else has, uh, the recent trip you went on versus the trip you didn't get to go on. We compare all kinds of things, and they create fear within us. We have fear of relationships, then we have fear because we're not in relationships. You see the problem. We become, in many ways, paralyzed by fear. It is. Arguably, one of the things that uh, we interact with people the most on currently is fear and anxiety with life circumstances, and yet, in a weird way, in the midst of all this fear, we actually still seem to motivate one another by fear, that exact same tendency. And so what you see is people trying to get you to align with their ideologies and using fear as the method to do that. You see religion continuing to use fear as the primary way to motivate people into compliance or into followership. Religion is a history of this. If you do that, shame on you. If you do this, oh, watch out. You never know where that's going to lead. Uh, many of you heard of the slippery slope growing up many of you have heard about uh if you if you take one step down that road you never know where it's going to lead you better stay on this side obviously that is a pretty lazy way to call people to followership there are much more beautiful and life-giving ways uh for us to encourage um, rather than fear and shame, but it is the easy and lazy road. And so we not only live in a culture of fear, but we perpetuate that fear. And no one is immune to it. We see it in the scriptures. Last week, Adam Nieder uh, was speaking on the passage in Luke 24. says this. It will be on the screen. The disciples, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, Peace to you. It's fascinating to me that the first thing he says to them after the resurrection and seeing them all in one place is peace, shalom. And it says that they were startled and frightened and thought that he, they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? They were gripped with fear. And his first words are peace. You see it when they were with him on the boat. Many of you know the story. I'm not going to read the passage. it'll be on the screen, but Jesus is uh, in the boat. They get on the boat to go to the other shore, it says, and uh, Jesus falls asleep. He had been around people all day and needed a break, and so he goes into a certain part of the boat, lays down, takes a nap. And uh, these are experienced fishermen, guys that uh, knew what they were doing, and yet the storm grew so big that it says that the waves were crashing into the boat, and they feared for their life, so much so that they ran to Jesus, and instead of saying, hey, buddy, can you help us out of this situation, they uh, guilted him with fear into uh, compliance, and they simply said to him, "Uh, do you not even care that we're going to die? Do you, like, not even care about us at all? And Jesus wakes up from sleeping, walks, as the story says, to the edge of the boat, and then just declares that everything become peaceful and it changes. Fear is natural. It's natural for any of us. We're hardwired to experience that fear. Many of you probably heard about the runner in the mountains this last week who, upon hearing something um, rustling in the bushes, had fear creep up on him and turned around to realize that a mountain lion was coming and uh, he had to deal with it. That natural instinct of fear is absolutely hardwired into us. But there's a difference between that and being controlled by fear. That's a completely different scenario. And yet what I think we are beginning to do as a society and what I see many of us doing on a personal level is moving to a place not where we just have a reaction of fear, but moving to a place where we're controlled by fear. There's a scientist who calls it um, what's going on in our society right now is amygdala hijacking. And the idea behind it is the amygdala being the part of the brain that records the emotional responses, specifically this idea of fear. What he says is going on is that inflammatory rhetoric and imagery is being created and thrust upon all of us in such a way that our emotional brain responds before our logical brain can. And we see it in everything. We see it in um, the way that we are even advertised to. Nobody shows you a car and then lists all the reasonable reasons why it would be logical for you to purchase said car. It's just about what it looks like, who's driving it, where you should get your coffee, what all of advertising is trying to get past your logic and into your emotion. And it's much of what we're doing in society. We're moving to this place that what we're seeking to do is somehow control fear control your fear and using your fear to get what we want. And this idea of being controlled by fear, I mentioned a couple, uh, about a year and a half ago, I went uh, ice climbing. And uh, it was about time for me to pull out an ice climbing illustration again. Uh, And uh, so it was amazing. It was an incredible experience. Um, I would encourage any of you, if you're with someone skilled, do it. It is amazing. But in this one moment, this is the last time I remember being absolutely controlled by fear. I had been feeling great all day, been going up um, waterfalls, and felt like I was on top of the world. Now these were probably a hundred feet tall, but uh, probably no more. But I felt as if they were 500 feet. I felt like I was, you know, climbing skyscrapers of ice. It was incredible. But I got this one moment where. I had been climbing for part of the day, it was later in the day, and we we got to this one particular waterfall that went vertical and then kind of tilted a little bit, and uh, I had not been on anything like it, and I get up to this point where I I took a bad route or whatever, and I'm kind of jammed up against granite on this side, and so like everything I do, look, it's just sheer rock. And then on the other side, I felt like I can't go that way because it's where I just went and it doesn't feel really, it felt a little precarious to me as a beginner. And yet I also knew I was tired and couldn't go forward any further at that point. So I just felt kind of trapped. And for a second, my logical brain was like, no big deal, I have a set of commands, I'll yell those commands, everything will be fine. The emotional side of me started like, I could just feel it starting to come up like, oh, I don't feel really great right now. Not only am I afraid of heights, and not only do I feel kind of trapped, I'm getting really cold, and uh, Kevin was uh, repelling me. He was the guy that was, like, taking care of the rope down below. The problem was, like I said, the, the way the waterfall went, I couldn't see him and also was having a hard time hearing him. So at one point, I'm yelling to Kevin, like, do you have me? Like, you got me, right? Like, I can let go. Like, you're, I'm good, right? And I'm not hearing them, and I'm going, I'm not good. <laughs> I'm not feeling good at all right now. I, and, and it was that moment of, like, being gripped with fear. And I see many of us, myself included at times, with a fear that creates an inability to act. You become so paralyzed that you don't know what the next step is and you don't even know if you can take it. You begin to have fear in such a way that it affects what you're willing to do, what you're willing to participate in, what you're willing to accept, what you're willing to strive for. We start buying into an ethic of security rather than an ethic of risk. Instead of being adventurous and faithful and interested in what God is calling us to, we we retreat, we shrink back, we limit, we create false ceilings. Fear begins to then change our generosity. It changes our ability to love our enemies. It changes our willingness to step out in faith being controlled by fear moves us to a place where we no longer resemble a kingdom follower, but rather just a fearful follower. In a few minutes, um, I'm going to come back up and we're going to talk about what peace might look like because there is an alternative. But for these next few moments, we're going to enter into a time of song again. And when I come back up, what I want to do is just give us one reminder, something that we're all familiar with, but something that I think needs to be, we need to be reminded of. And then I want to give us one caution. So when we think of peace, I think there's some things that we need to be reminded of and then some things that we have to be cautioned about and we'll um, look into those in a moment. Let me pray and then we'll re-engage in song. Father, we again are grateful for your presence. We pray in these next few moments that we might uh, sing as liberated people, that we might Uh, even take moments where we don't sing and yet just offer up internal praise and uh, and, and let you know um, the ways that you have uh, offered freedom and love and support in the midst of fear. Uh, I pray that we might feel unhindered in our worship of you and that you would receive it, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.